Scribble notes, uh, scribble notes when I wrote these quotes. If I offend, pardon me, there's more of me to grow. Creative in my process, enjoy the show. The will is different when you recognize the different strokes. Different folks, same goals, we all want the most. So when we reach the top, we can enjoy the toast. The type of bread we get is fresh about the bakery. Told them don't play with me. With or without a degree, don't question my intensity. Bravery, similar to agencies that want to see you fold. So just pray for me. Pray for me. Einstein with my energy. Welcome to the Scribble Notes podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you on. Can you introduce yourself for the listeners? Talk about what you do in, in all the things. All the things. Okay. Um, my name is Carrie. I write as C.K. Sorens. I write a gritty um, urban fantasy coming of age story. So I'm kind of like right on that line of upper YA and N.A., um, and I really like to like dig into themes such as like fate and how much does society control what we actually do and um, just like the the magic that ties it all together. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about your books? I want to I want to know about sure. your stories. Sure. So I have a. Uh, Pure Urban Fantasy uh, series called the Trimark series. And in it, I have Ember. She was born um, from a human mother, a witch father, and on face soil. So she's, they believe she's basically a ticking time bomb of uncontrollable magic. And um, it turns out that she does have a power, but it's not what they know as magic. And so as she, as it, at the beginning of the series, someone discovers her secret. And so she is trying to figure out how to hide it. She's trying to figure out when it is usable and when it's not usable. And, um, and along the way, she's learning who she can and cannot trust. Okay, okay. Where did you find the inspiration for this story? Uh, this particular story took a very long time, 10 years. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's your first one. You, you dabble in a lot of things until you settle on this one. But um, a lot of my um, my inspiration came from books like I love Naomi Novak. She's one of my favorite authors. V.E. Schwab is also a favorite author. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those darker fantasy um, with high stakes type books. And um, I really dig into those. But I also absolutely love um, just the young adult genre although I do write on the cusp I really love those younger characters because they're doing a lot of things for the first time and in and struggling figuring out who they are and I feel like even though that's very true to that age group is also true for us as adults and we don't like to admit it or think about it but it really is we are constantly reinventing ourselves and that's why I think like this YA new adult um area is so popular and and why I personally like writing in it Mm. yeah there's so much to like that age that age group and a lot of my characters and my stories are right around that right around that area because it is such a fun time it is it's fun to see someone take on a new role and kind of experience things for the first time make mistakes and all the different ways you can really navigate uh it's like very specific but at the same time like you said adults also go through it and it just it looks a little different yeah yeah so So, um yeah continue continue i just i have another book (laughs) 
this is my new one. This is 18 Wishes. It actually releases on October 4th. So only okay. in a couple of days. Um, it's in the Realm of Darkness anthology box set only. Um, I happen to have a paper copy. This one is, I love this one. This is my new adult. It has to do with genies and their power system is, is uh, based on the chakra system. And um, there, this genie, Isra, she's been cursed um, to be a genie. She was actually born a genie hunter. Mm. And now she has to grant wishes, but she doesn't want to. So she wants a way out. And then she's trying to get the genie hunters to come and kill her. And her new master has actually grown up on fairy tales of this genie. And he's already half in love with her. And he's all like, no, we can figure this out and everything. So um, it's kind of like a one-sided insta-love where she <laughs> is, um, where, where they have to navigate all of these different rules and games that the, that the gin species has put together and all the curses that they have to go through. That is, that's awesome. I was going to ask about magic. How do you come up yeah. with these magic systems? How do you, how do you yeah. handle magic? Honestly, I'm a pantser. So when I'm writing my very first draft, I'm trying to put myself in my character's shoes as much as possible and feel how they access magic. And then as I, as I kind of get that together. So in my Trimark series, magic is part of everything's makeup it's in its mm -hmm. dna so you can pull it from a tree you can pull it from water witches and fae access it in different ways and humans can't access it at all so um that helped put a lot of limitations on that mm -hmm. magic system my gin magic system is a little bit different because as long as your seven body chakras are in line with the uh, soul star above and the earth star below you have access to magic and the jinn are born with perfect alignment. So, mm -hmm. and it's one of those, the older they are, the more powerful they are uh, systems. So it's been really interesting um, trying to navigate that and not make it like corny or, <laughs> <laughs> or like it, that where uh, it doesn't break its own rules type of thing. Yeah, I was, I was really interested in the word limitations because I'm writing a new story involving magic and I think limitations are always it's such an interesting thing to kind of navigate because as an author you have to figure out where is the peak and where and where does it stop <laughs> because otherwise they're all powerful and they can do anything how do you handle right. limitations in my genie world it's that they are only able to cast illusions hmm. So the illusions can appear to be completely real. They can completely trick you, but they can't for, it takes place in Las Vegas and they can't go in and, and wipe the city and make it a gin city. They can't because it's mm. that city is in too many people's consciousness, but they can do small things like um, convince you that the car next to you wants to race or, um, you know, like uh, one of my gin, she actually, in order to manipulate the physical world, she becomes invisible and because that's her illusion, but then she physically manipulates the world. So um, that that was one of my ways of being able to put it on limitations. Also, the gin hunters are out there to, to keep them. And the very oldest gin, the first gin, his job is to literally in, uh, capture and hold anyone who gets out of line and risks this this balance of the cosmos mm. yeah that's super cool i i like i like all of that 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so interesting. How long did it take to, to write the story? This one um, was, it took about a year. Mm. And I feel like it was fast, but I signed up for this box set and, um, and that was the timeline. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, but I, I spent a good month just on world building before I even started writing anything. And my, my genie hunters are draconians. So they're a lizard race and their history is that, uh, the sorcerers wanted to control the gin. And so they went back in time and got dinosaur DNA and mixed it with sorcerer DNA and then incubated it in a gin. So uh, obviously I like threes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and anyway, that's how this draconian race came about and they are immune to, um, magic itself if there's a phys- if magic causes a physical thing around them obviously they're caught up in that mm. but um but you can't cast a, you can't cast anything on a draconian they can see straight through the illusion mm. so so you spent time world building what was mm-hmm. what was it like building this world uh in comparison to some other worlds you've built right um 18 wishes was really fun i watched a lot of aladdin um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was, and then it, I got to dive into, uh, a little bit of the Islam history of the jinn and, um, build a bunch of that into my world. As soon as I figured out the chakra system, I bought all the books and I have lots of different, um, sh- crystals and everything around now <laughs> as part of that. The, um, one for Trimarked was a little bit different cause it's like one I had been working on for so long and I was taking bits and pieces um, from different stories along the way. But um, I still, like even just a few weeks ago, got a boom insight about my magic system um, because a couple of my characters are kind of outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like, oh, that's what he can do. <laughs> thing. And, and that's how it works with the rules. And so it's still really fun that you can um, find the loopholes in the, in the system that you yourself built. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's crazy how much more you learn as you're writing and as you have more and more uh, examples of the story. I know for myself, I'm, I'm very similar. Um, I had finished the third book in my trilogy. And at the end, I was like, oh, wow, there's this other thing that's been at play this whole time that I hadn't even seen. And my brother and I, we, um, we co-author and so we started to like write some more stories and some spinoffs and we started to incorporate some of this new lore that uh, it's going to be really fun when we release. But like for book, other book readers, it's like, oh, my gosh, some of this came after the fact after words were already written and we had a little bit more of the world built. Yeah, um, that's amazing. That's so much fun. I was going to ask, like, so did you have to rewrite? <laughs> luckily, luckily, so much of it's already like some of it was hinted at in the first couple mm. books, but um, I don't think we were aware as as to how deep how deep something could go. Um, so in the third book, I actually went back and added some more some more broad strokes so that later those things can really pay off. Um, but it was really fun because it was just like we 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 dabble with religion very heavily in our stories, um, and as we got deeper and deeper, we started to say, okay, maybe there's this other concept at play and what kind of ways can we twist religion and what kind of ways can we use uh different uh different religions and different 
uh, stories from history to kind of, I don't know, make our world bigger and broader. And we started introducing some new concepts that I think are are going to be very interesting for people to read, but also were really fun to kind of explore ourselves because we were making things, this idea of heaven and hell and like how you can create fit, like characters to to blend together and what that relationship could be in. Uh, it was really fun. So we, we've had a lot of fun doing that. And I think that's, uh, that's been, that's one of the things I enjoy about writing and world building is how much you can do um, with your story. I love that about series. I love how a series just lets you keep going and find all of these things that you, like you said, that you placed and you had no idea what it meant at the time. Um, it's, uh, I don't really, I mean, I know I, I like standalones and everything, but I don't really know if I'd ever write one because I do like that, that process of it. I like knowing more. Yeah. I, I've always like, I want to write a standalone, but as I, I outlined one and and just something in me that makes a series happen because it's like, oh, this ending's gonna have this cliffhanger that will open the door for later. And I'm like, there's no later. We should have a definitive ending, but I can't right. write a definitive ending. Well, look what happened to your trilogy. <laughs> I know, it's supposed to be a trilogy. And I'm like, okay, three more books later. Uh, <laughs> just because there's more story left to be told. Uh-huh. Uh, just inevitable. Um, I wanted to ask you about your publishing process. So you said it's been, it was a year long. Mm -hmm. Um, What has this been like since writing the book and now publishing? Right. Well, with the box set, um, I only had to write the book and turn it in on time. So um, the press, the small press who, who manages this, they, um, I did some minor formatting for them too, but um, they are, they're putting it all together. They're packaging it and everything. So that, was out of my hands I did do um my own cover for it because eventually I will get the rights back and I can publish it on my own but uh for now it is exclusive to this box set and um it I always say even if I do publish it on my own this box set is 99 cents and that's not gonna happen when I publish it. <laughs> how um how has this process been with the with a box mm-hmm. set? I've never I've never seen one happen seen this it? way yeah Okay, so um, this was my very first one. Um, so I don't have anything to compare it to, but it was, I signed up for this entirely as a learning process and it was an amazing learning process. Um, the writing was completely separate from, from the box set because they had us promoting this thing for a year. Mm. And um we were, uh, you know, going on Facebook parties to get the word out. We were uh, making TikToks and Instagram posts. And, but it was amazing because none of, we didn't have to do it all because there were, you know, 40 authors helping with the entire process. So, you know, somebody was making graphics, somebody was putting together promos. Um, We had like a a downloadable drinks companion if you had pre-ordered on Barnes and Noble for a time, Mm -hmm. uh, giveaways, all that stuff. It was just um, in that way, it was a huge relief to not have all that promotion on my shoulders that I just had to do my part of the job and, um, and then show up when it was time. 
That is super cool. Uh, being able to collaborate with so many people and be being on a team that large, uh, I could definitely see how that could help, <laughs> help yeah. the process a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On my own, um, when I publish on my own, it's, you know, obviously smaller, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do short releases. Like I, I publish like once a year or so, and then um, we'll post it about three months out and then do a a short promotion period and I don't overstretch myself. I make sure I know my budget and my time and my energy limitations. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but I have also, um, cult- I, cultivated is the wrong word, but I have an amazing community of people that, um, that I have found through different activities through, and through social media and all of that stuff. And they just, we, you know, the indie author world, a lot of people just want to help you succeed and want mm-hmm. to show you the way. And I'm lucky that I have not yet fallen into any of the pitfalls or the, the darker side of things. I literally have the best community around me of just cheerleaders and people who are willing to help when the time comes. Yeah, I've definitely noticed uh, indie publishing is there are so many good people, uh, so many people who are willing to help willing to support, willing to teach. I know when I f- published my first book, I just didn't know the process. I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how to format. I didn't know anything. Uh, and being able to ask questions and get answers and get advice from people who had done it, it made such a huge difference. And now it's it's really fun to be able to have a third book and know the process, know what to expect, uh, have my own flair to it. And then know that I have other folks that support it as well it's like it's really cool um and I definitely think that that's something that is is really really nice about the indie indie publishing world um and I also have not seen the bad side of things yet so I'm hoping fingers crossed it stays that way way. (laughs) yeah so that's awesome can you tell me a little bit more about how you write um so when you sit down in front of the computer what is what is it look like for you writing chapters writing stories how does that work for you I use the software Scrivener Hmm. um, and I break it up into chapters and since I write um, the the YANA my books are a little bit more fast-paced which I really appreciate so I know that each of my chapters has a have to has to have a mini arc of its own and I start out I'm I am a I'm, I'm a pantser, but I know story really well. And so I know that I need to know their motivation. I need to know what their goal is and I need to know how it's not going to work, um, in each chapter for each character. So, um, I just kind of like mini brainstorm that before I get started. And then, um, my goal is to, I, when I'm writing, I, I like to write any around 2000 or so words a day mm-hmm. and that generally co- or a chapter sometimes so if the chapter is shorter then the chapter is shorter and and that's just the way it has to be but um I just go I do I just sit and I have already done the world building the world building is the most planning I do I Mm. think it's very important to have that all down first because if you have your world building down and your character profiles like set on point I think you and I both like the psychology of it Mm. um you know it it makes the writing easier that even if you don't know the exact plot points 
you know where their stumbling blocks are. And you also know it, where they have to succeed in order to make the story move forward. So um, for me, it's very organic. And sometimes it's highly frustrating because uh, a blank screen is still a blank screen. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it's just, it, that's what allows the words to just flow. And Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I'm more of a plotter, but I've started to do I'm starting to do sort of a hybrid. I'll have an understanding of what I need done in each chapter um, for all my characters. And I slowly make sure they get there somehow. I don't know always how. So that's usually the problem for me is I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. I want to say it was Colin Powell, but I'm not 100% on this. But someone said that in order to get started, you only need to have about anywhere, somewhere between 40% and 70% of the knowledge. Hmm. And then you go and you see what happens. And um, I think that could be challenging in some uh, (laughs) jobs, but I think in writing, I really do believe that. I think that if you have 40 to 70% of, um, of your plan or your expectations and you just go, then that's when the magic happens. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I don't think, I, I think early on when I first started writing, I was so afraid of not having the story figured out. And I was like, oh, this chapter is going to be terrible. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I don't know all of this stuff. And I realized and I learned really quickly, one, I didn't know my characters well enough and I need to learn them a little bit more so that I can understand how they're going to respond and react to different settings and situations, which now it's like, whenever I sit down with the, with the chapter, I know exactly how this is going to play out because these characters are going to behave in these different ways. Um, and every now and then I get shocked because I'm like, well, I've pushed them to this limit and we'll see where they're going to go now. But I definitely agree. 40 to 70% is a uh, is definitely where you should be because a hundred percent is never really possible. I feel or like realistic. All, yeah, or realistic, especially if you're gonna sit down and start writing. Mm-hmm. And I so, think sometimes you can hold back if you if you don't, yeah. uh, if you if you wait to have too much. Yeah. Uh, I just I wanted to ask you because I do like character building. What do you use to build your characters? So I'm very interesting with building characters. Um, I am one of those people who enjoy, I use a lot of different techniques. Um, I am really big on personality assessments and tests. So I'll do some sort of Myers-Briggs assessment for my characters. I like to know like, how are they gonna think about these situations? Um, And then I, I do a brief history of this person. Um, usually it's a history that never touches the book, but it's what did they experience and what kind of person are they? Um, so you'll learn like, oh, this person, hate he hates swimming. Uh, he fell into the pool once or got pushed into the pool by someone. And that type of person is now someone they don't like. And then going forward in the story, if they run into someone like that, they just don't like that kind of human being. And then you slowly start to... I don't know. I slowly start to create all of these other things. Um, I had one, one character, uh, Asher specifically, who was bullied uh, when he was young and he was a prince. And because of this experience that he has, which never touches the book, he is just very rude to people because he was very nice 
it didn't work out one time in his life. And then he went the opposite way for the rest of his life. Uh, and it, it, things have worked out fairly well or interestingly uh, with his new approach. And now it just becomes his default. Um, and I like to do that with a lot of characters. I like to, to really break them down with background and history, do some sort of personality assessment. I find them all the time, even like random ones where it'll tell you what kind of starfish are you? I like, I'll find these. I'm like, oh, this is the kind of person this is. And then put them out in the world and put them in the story. So every now and then I'll base a character off of traits of someone I know. Um, if I really want to put someone in a book and then I just crank them up a little bit. So <laughs> I'll find people and I'm like, you are a very interesting person I interact with. What is the core of you and how do I mm -hmm. fit this into medieval fantasy? Uh, That's awesome. And then we see it. Do you, do you then tell them? Oh, I, I tell people. I put you in my book. I tell people all the time, like, uh, you, if you're reading this and it feels like you <laughs> or it feels like a reaction <laughs> you'd have. Uh, what, about beta, what about beta readers specifically made me laugh because they just have a very interesting personality. So I, when I was writing the second book after they had, uh, read the first one I had created a character that had a lot of their similar traits and they they very much enjoyed the idea oh. that they were in the story for a brief awesome. period because they did not make it out the second book <laughs> oops yeah it's a cameo it's a cameo cameo they made it into a chapter or two. um how about yourself what do you do I, it has uh, developed my degrees in family and child development. Mm. So um, I have a psychology background um, across the board. So very light level across the board. Um, and I, Myers-Briggs is not my favorite, <laughs> but I am starting to really like the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um, especially because not just because it, it tells you like the core of the person, it tells you what their core hates are. <laughs> so you can go straight to that page and be like, okay, how am I going to mess up your life? Um, I also like the goals, motivations, mm. um, flaw, and I can't remember what the other one is, but I really truly believe that if you can get to those, um, that that misbelief and like you said those events that caused it so i do the same as you i'll write very very small paragraphs or snippets for all of these things that caused them to believe this way um so that it's like it, it just makes that foundation again even it does get on the page even if it doesn't get on the page because mm -hmm. it comes through the character and so um, I always do, after my very first draft, I always do a character edit where I am going through and making sure that my characters are responding the way that they should be um, it, before I work too much harder on other edits because the character development is, I think that's why people read, right? <laughs> it's like, yes, the magic systems are cool and it, you can geek out about them. But the reason people read is because they want to be taken on a journey with or as this person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it's just very important to, to get it as right as possible. Yeah, characters, they pull, they pull you in. Even if you don't like the story or the plot, you might just stick around to see how this character responds and behaves. Um, I've definitely seen that happen with a, 
with my stories. So one of the characters that no one necessarily, Asher is a character that no one likes. I've yet to meet someone that was like, I like Asher as a character, as a person, but they love his, they love his personality and his story mm-hmm. because he's unpredictable. Right. He has a lot going on and his reactions are always very his. Uh, right. So you don't feel like you're him, but you feel like you're watching him and he's hard to look away from. Uh, and it's been, he's one of my favorite characters to write. And he initially didn't even have a big role in my overall plot. Uh, when I first wrote the book, my first book, I didn't even think he was going to be that big of a character. Uh, and then later, as people enjoyed him more, and as I started to think more about what his story could do in the grand scheme of things, uh, he started to play a way bigger role. And mm. in the third book, in the final book of the trilogy, he plays probably the biggest role um, in the story. And it was really fun to get him to that place. And the third book, he's his whole story is really just you being the reader wanting something for Asher. Uh, and mm. a lot of people or a lot of the beta readers who've read it already, they've, they've said like they just want Asher to get this, this last piece of his life figured out. They want him to find this happiness. And yeah. it's just very funny, the dichotomy from when they first are introduced to him and they can't stand him to. That's amazing. That's why 40 to 70% is the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a character like that. Um, I have, because I'm writing a six book series, I have the main arc antagonist and then I have each book antagonist. And um I kind of, I originally planned on them being a different antagonist for each book, but there was so much love for my antagonist in book two. And I was like, really? Why? (laughs) (laughs) But like, but she got so, they're like, they want to know more about her. She she is a very complex character. I was considering a spinoff for her because she is such a content. A complex character but because so many people were so intrigued with this character I'm like oh I guess she's making an appearance in book three <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah it is it's it's I like that uh give and take though between the writers and the readers I think that's part of our job is to listen yeah and and sometimes I, I know for myself at least as people tell me things that they're interested in it makes me more interested to explore um, and you know, once you start exploring that you could come up with thousands of words worth of things that have happened, uh, right. in any direction. So that has definitely been something that I've, I've really enjoyed about at least my writing experience. Um, I want to ask you, so now that you, you, so you published a, a few books at this point, right? Mm-hmm. What have you learned, um, and what kind of tips can you give to someone that's either new to the publishing space or is indie publishing space or someone that hasn't even started um, publishing yet? Um, one of the things that I also believed and now bugs me um, to hear is that people don't think they can get started until they have a book. Mm. And that's not true. Um, this isn't just about finding readers. It's about finding your community. And, um, I have found like the difference between releasing my first book and only having been on social media for six months versus releasing my third book and having been on for two and a half years isn't, it's just amazing. Mm. Um, 
just the amount of, of connections and everything I have, like, I've had in-person meetups with some of these authors. I have, you know, a couple, like we're going to, I have a couple that I'm meeting up with at a writer's conference later this year. And, but not to mention like all the online support that you, that you also get in the process. Mm. Um, And so I say, start now. I say like, it doesn't matter like if you are going to turn in your book to your editor tomorrow or you're going to open your word document tomorrow and you're going to get started people love to follow your journey people Mm. love to connect with you you have something to say or you wouldn't be writing a book (laughs) so you know you can find a way to say it and share it along the way um share what you're reading share your process you know Mm. just just start building your community because the it, it really is amazing once you get those right people around you it takes away a lot of the uncertainty and even some of the imposter syndrome can go away because mm-hmm. you have this these people like literally holding you up and supporting you and and it's it's give and take so you'll figure something out and you'll teach somebody else all of a sudden and then you get to be in that place and it's amazing to to realize at that point how far you've come and so that's honestly my biggest piece of advice is to just is to just get started and um with your building your community yeah it's it's something that we definitely underestimate and undervalue is the importance of the community um the importance of being active and being involved. Um, I know for myself, it, it has been so rewarding to talk to authors, to interview authors and speak to people, to be able to give a platform for people to, to communicate and connect. And then because of that, I get to make connections, which are really, really fun for me. I get to know people. I get to follow them on social media. I get to buy their books. I have a ton of uh, books from authors who I've interviewed. Uh, because I like to, yeah. I like to buy them. I like to have them in my in my office. I like to have them in the studio and be like, here, I know this person. I've spent time with them, and yeah. now I get to read their books. And a lot of times, it's like I have so shows. many. Yeah, like I have so many mm-hmm. that I have to get to. But it's so cool to to be able to do that. And I think being a part of the community and being being willing to to say, I need help. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a little bit. I'm gonna give feedback. I'm going to leave comments. I'm going to I'm going to read. I'm going to go to this event. I've been to a lot of Q and A's that authors have held. I've I've sat and listened to people gush about their books, and it's like that's what it's all about, and that's what right. that's what makes my writing experience because writing is such right. a solo sport. Uh, you do it by yourself, right on your laptop. Uh, it's just you for so long that having a community to share those thoughts with and share all the good and bads that does make a huge difference. Right. And I also suggest like, if there's something you want to know about the process, there are lots of like, not official mentorships either, but like ways to do that. I didn't understand book releases. So I started joining advanced reader teams and beta teams and just being with the author along the way as they put their, their whole system and their promos out. And that's, I learned a lot that way. And I was supporting the community in the process. Mm. That's a pro tip right there. <laughs> Especially if you don't know. It's like, let me just watch from the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are lots of opportunities to do that because sometimes like even just reading it in the book is like, okay. But like when you actually have your hands into the process, mm-hmm. then sometimes it's a lot easier to actually absorb it. Yeah, so you said October 4th. Mm-hmm. 
the whole book's that releases. Yes, 35 full-length novels in this oh, wow. huge anthology. Yeah, it's all. How do, um, yeah, how do people get it? So give us some. Give us some <laughs> of the information. Absolutely. So it is on. You can find it. It's wide right now. It's going to be um, wide for only one week, though. So you can pre-order it, and then it's going to be wide for that first week um, after the fourth. And you can get it on Apple. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. You can get it on Kobo, Google Play, Amazon. Those are all the places. And then after that week, it's going to come down. <laughs> so um, I do believe that it will, it may pop up in Kindle Unlimited at some point, but um, if you, if Amazon's not your thing, then you definitely want to take advantage of the other, of the other platforms while you can. Um, but it is 35 full length novels of um, different, it's amazing. There's fairy tale retellings in here. There's paranormal romance there's fantasy romance and romantic fantasy um, the tropes are it is full of tropes all the tropes are in this uh are in this book mine is enemies to lovers mm. so, um and it is currently yeah like i said it's 99 cents and it will download directly onto your e-reader if you can pre-order it awesome and where can <laughs> where can people find your other books um Trimarked and Afflicted are in paperback wide. So you can find that at your favorite bookstore online. Um, also, the ebook is only on Kindle right now because it is in Kindle Unlimited, um, both of them. So they are not like bookstore books, unfortunately, because as an indie author, I can keep my costs down if I don't, if I, they're not like available to buy by bookstores unfortunately but um they are available online barnes noble um i think waterbury has it um so it's it's also international awesome thank you so much for coming on the podcast this has been a lovely conversation i love talking yes. to authors who are excited and this is such an exciting thing you're doing this box set thank is you. so cool mm -hmm. yeah it's Any been like i said amazing learning experience any last words for the listeners? Any tips, tricks, things you've learned, things you want to leave them with? Uh, man, maybe I should have written this one down. <laughs> um, what I like to tell everybody, this is the biggest piece of advice I love to give everybody. I don't care if you are Stephen King or if you are just starting out, everything is practice. Every single word you put on the page is practice. Every day is a brand new start in this practice and you will learn some you will lose some of that learning and you will learn it again and um as long as you can keep that that mindset of this is practice you can relieve so much of your stress in this process uh you'll be able to go on writing tangents that may or may not end up in your book because it's it's a game it is just practice and then eventually it'll all come together and it will be ready for you and it'll be ready for the world Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been another episode of Scribble Notes. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, leave, a, leave a comment, leave a review on Apple Podcasts specifically because we don't got enough of those. Uh, make sure you leave one of those for sure. Spotify, you're doing great. All the people who listen on Spotify, I love you. Uh, and yeah, we will see y'all again next Thursday with another episode of Scribble Notes. Peace. Yeah. Scribble notes, uh.
scribble notes when I wrote these quotes If I offend, pardon me, there's more me to grow Creative in my process, enjoy the show The will is different when you recognize the different strokes Different folks, same goals, we all want the most So when we reach the top, we can enjoy the toast The type of bread we get is fresh about the bakery Told them don't play with me With or without a degree, don't question my intensity Bravery, similar to agencies that want to see you fold So just pray for me, and pray for me, yeah. pray for me. Einstein with my